you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, socially distancing and masking when necessary. Hope all is going well where you are. We are continuing our Fantasy Camp series. Uh, We had a great chat uh, earlier in the week about the AFC East with Jake Seeley and Michael Florio. We will keep marching on along. Uh, Again, the whole point of this, one, is obviously to sort of preview by division, a lot of what we think might happen in this fantasy season. Part of it, though, is to uh, either hopefully uh, reintroduce you to some voices that you might be familiar with, either because you are part of fantasy Twitter or you've listened to this podcast, or maybe introduce you to some new ones as well. So we'll do that in just a little bit as we continue our march with the AFC North. But before we do that, I want to talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, I hear you're you're uh, bailing on me for a week soon. Yeah, we we took the the week off uh, last week from fantasy, but the, this upcoming week, uh, I, I'm going to take a little mini vacation. 
vacation. I call it a vacation, but because I'm not working, but I'm really just going back home to New York City because uh, not like I could fly to a tropical island right now and enjoy it during these times. So it's just going back to the the parents' house and sitting in the yard for uh, for a few days in New York City. Hey, you know, it's it's looking at a different set of four walls than the ones you normally look at. That's really it. It's just a change of wall. <laughs> oh, change of walls and a roof, a little bit more space to walk around, so I don't go there crazy. Hey, it helps. Whatever helps, man. Yeah. So uh, we will miss you next week. I think uh, we will have Ricky Hollywood sitting in one day uh next week which should be fun always yeah fun. you have, you have uh, erica and i think arjuna is going to help out too so two way better producers than me doing the show <laughs> <laughs> no i, I can't i can't get down with that but no but, but uh, enjoy your time off and we will see you uh in about a week or so after that. thank you appreciate it i'll miss you guys yeah uh so now let's get to our guests though i uh, had the privilege of meeting these two ladies uh almost a year ago now at the fabled buffalo wild wings <laughs> in canton ohio uh, when I was out there for the Kings Classic draft, it has become, I say a tradition. I mean, we've done it two years in a row, so I guess that makes it a tradition. We do the draft, and then we all descend upon a, a B-dubs and close the place down. And uh, one of these two ladies actually, I believe, stole my beer, but was kind <laughs> enough to replace it with another one. So uh, kudos to them for that. But uh, excited and well and, and happy to welcome uh, Kate and Michelle Majuk, uh, who do their own podcast at Ball Blast. They have a great website. They have a whole lot of writers. They're doing really big things over there. Uh, you should follow them on Twitter, Kate at FFBallBlast, Michelle at BallBlastM, that's E-M there. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. Oh my gosh, yeah. And and shout out, like, I feel like that intro story for us is like just the story of our lives. Like, I think one of those girls stole my beer. And, like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you gave me a mule. And I, I'm pretty I sure think it was a mule. You know what? Okay, that's what it was. It's been so long now. That, yeah. Uh, you know, it, I know it's. I know it hasn't been a full calendar year, but considering how this year has gone, it might as well have been five years ago. Good. I cannot believe times. it was only one year ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so sad we won't be doing it this year. Unfortunately, yeah, the uh, the Kings Classic Draft, which, you know, shout out to, to Bob Lung and Brad Evans and all those guys who who've organized this thing. It's been great for a couple of years, but uh, unfortunately, because of the times, uh, it's all virtual this year. So hopefully uh, we get through it this year. And then in 2021, we can go back to doing it uh, in person again, because uh, the draft is fun. But honestly, I think the, the sort of meet and greet, uh, I guess, in Buffalo Wild Wings now. <laughs> Uh, that has become, I think, as much a part of it as anything else. So. Yeah. The beauty, actually, of these times. So now we have Zoom and you can right. sort of implant your own background. So maybe if we just uh, paste the, the background, <laughs> like a picture of B-dubs as, right. <laughs> as the foreground, <laughs> it could actually be like essentially like nothing ever happened. I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something, Kate, no doubt. Um, all right, so let's talk to some AFC North. I wanted to get you guys on because, I mean, you live in Pittsburgh. I know you are fans of the what, Steelers and Browns, respectively. Uh, so it just seemed perfect to kind of slide you in here. But first, I want to start in Baltimore uh, with the Ravens there. I go through some of the big questions for each of these teams here. And let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Kate, I'll start with you. What is the earliest that you have drafted Lamar Jackson so far this season? I've drafted him at the 103. I think Michelle even has him beat in a super flex format, of course. Um, I've drafted him at the 103. I think Michelle's drafted him at, what, the 102 in Scott Fishbowl? Yeah, I mean, I'm at the 103 as well, but I would draft him at the 101 in a super flex league. So in a league that you have to, you know, you don't have to start two tight end or two quarterbacks in a super flex league, but it's helpful to do so. And I think Lamar Jackson's just that cheat code where he's never going to bust a week for you. He just has too safe of a floor. And then his ceiling's so high. So I'm not a girl that loves to draft quarterbacks high, 
But if I do, it would be Lamar Jackson. You know, it's I had the JJ Zacharyson on this show a few weeks ago, and you know, we we sort of talked about his changing philosophy. I mean, obviously, this is a guy whose Twitter handle is late round QB, but he started to kind of soften that stance and in the right situations, think about getting a quarterback early. Now, I would say, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, really, you're talking about QBs early. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, it's super flex. I mean, you guys, I guess you can throw in a, a Dak Prescott, a Deshaun Watson, what have you. But um, I mean, have you have you started to come around on this idea, even in non super flex leagues of maybe taking that chance and, and reaching for a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes a little bit earlier? You can go first. I so. Oh, gosh, I'm conflicted here. <laughs> My heart wants to draft these guys. And there there is definitely a part of me. I. I think Lamar Jackson would be my exception. I actually, in my projections, I have Patrick Mahomes as my QB one in 2020, but I still think that that Lamar Jackson's rushing ability obviously gives him that that ceiling that's so high through the roof. Um, but I, I still I hate to pass up on these elite running backs and and wide receivers in order to pursue that. I I don't think I'm coming around as much, but if I were to you know, I always try to to mix up some of my leagues and, and vary my draft choices, Chris. Otherwise, I'm not going to do very well in fantasy. But, <laughs> um, you know, if, if the exceptions, Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yeah, someone like every one of my favorite running backs would have to go in order for me to draft Lamar Jackson. And that would have to be in the third round. I'm not going to take a quarterback right. in the second. But if you fell to the third round and like everyone on the board, I was like, eh, like I don't really love them, love them. Then possibly I'd go to Lamar Jackson. But I know by the time I get to the 10th and 11th round and I start seeing Daniel Jones and Matthew Stafford's go, I'm going to kick myself in the butt that I, <laughs> that I wasted that third round pick on a quarterback. You know, this is probably a discussion for another time because I keep harping on this fact that if we all agree that Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are awesome, um, I feel like we have to do something about quarterback scoring so that taking them in the third round is not as competitive disadvantage. Like, I just feel like I feel like we had to do something so that, you know, taking players that are universally considered good uh, shouldn't hamstring you. But that's another conversation for another time. (laughs) Um, Michelle, you talked about running backs a little bit. And so as we're looking at Baltimore, how worried should we be about Mark Ingram this year? I don't think we should be worried at all. When we look at his role last year, I think he'll get the same exact role, just over 200 carries. It's not like he saw this crazy workload, but he was clearly the lead back in that offense, especially up until they were killing teams. Uh, And then Gus Edwards kind of came in and did his thing. I still think he'll get the same amount of touches that he did last year, be super efficient because of that offense and the holes they give him and the scoring opportunity that he receives. Now, J.K. Dobbins, I really, really like him as a prospect, but I think we might have to wait till 2021 to really see him used a lot. Often, I mean, you can go back the last 10 years, and when you're looking at rookie running backs behind above-average vets, especially like Mark Ingram is kind of in that elite role. I'm not ready to put him there yet. But they have to wait their turn. And two of these situations was with Greg Roman, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. But He was in San Francisco when they drafted LaMichael James in the second round. They drafted Carlos Hyde in the second round. Well, guess who was there ahead of them? It was Frank Gore, and they didn't get a role until Frank Gore left. Well, LaMichael James never got one, but Carlos Hyde (laughs) didn't get his role until Frank Gore left. And I think that's the same type of situation we're seeing here uh, in 2020 with the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I I know that J.K. Dobbins, we've all – look. 
what is funny to me is that we get through the NFL draft and all these rookies land in places. And I think there's that like two week high where we're all like, oh, this rookie's going to be great. And, you know, the incumbent's got to watch out. And then we I think we get to July and August and sanity catches up a little bit. And uh, and maybe we're not so uh, excited because I was going to ask about J.K. Dobbins. So you sort of got it. We, you kind of answered my question that maybe we're waiting a year uh, before he jumps in. Um, Kate, am I missing something with Marquise Brown? Like there are guys that are going after him. I mean, I look at like a Marvin Jones. I look at a John Brown. I look at a lot of guys that I feel like have a lot safer floors. Maybe they don't have as high a ceilings as Marquise Brown does, but I feel like they have a lot safer floors. But people seem to be kind of latching on to Hollywood. I don't, maybe I'm missing something. Please enlighten me if I am. (laughs) So I think the interesting thing about Marquise Brown is we did like right out of the gate. And this happened with a lot of players last year. I was so surprised by the rookie production immediately out of the gate in 2019. It was absolutely astonishing. And I don't know if we've ever seen anything like it, but Marquise Brown is a guy that I was not high on coming into the draft coming when I heard he was drafted to Baltimore. I I, I didn't care. Um, But when I saw the ability that he had to make plays coming off of a Liz Frank injury, uh, which we have heard, you know, over and over again, that it does take time to recover. Even if he's on the field, he might not be the Marquise Brown that that we want him to be. He showed rapport with Lamar Jackson. I think he is one of those players that does go, you know, at the end of maybe that second, you know, third tier of, you know, wide receiver two, early wide receiver three, almost sometimes. And he has a ceiling of a wide receiver one. And it's, there's not a lot of guys you can say that, although you did mention, I love some Marvin Jones, love him. I think he's absolutely a late round baller, but I think that we might get to see a different player in 2020 with proper rehab. If he's 100% healthy, I'm a little nervous for for everybody else in the game. He was second in targets on the team, and he only played 50% of the offensive snaps last year. And if you compare compare that to the other rookies last year, that's well, well below them. Uh, So I think Hollywood Brown has a really great ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's just – do they pass enough? Is Lamar Jackson as efficient as last year? Right. I mean, I think that's that's sort of my question, right? Like, I, I don't doubt the ceiling. I guess I just, being the pessimist that I am, the skeptic that I am, I look at the floor and, like, it's it was frighteningly low at times yeah. last year. And he he was he was on that side of it, I felt like, more often than he what he had. Like, he had a, almost a buck 50 in his first game, and he never had more than 90 yards in a single game after that. And so that's yeah. – that's my fear. That's all. Like I said, I'm a skeptic and I, I get scared easily. Um, Kate, I want to ask you, as we start with the Browns now, will Nick Chubb at the end of the year finish as an RB1? He is definitely a guy that that I've tempered expectations on in terms of his ADP, but I still think he's a, a running back that's being grossly undervalued in fantasy football. Um, you know, what we're looking at in terms of uh, of the the play that changed once Kareem Hunt entered the game was really uh, the receiving game. And Nick Chubb, he, you know, he caught some screen passes, but he was never a guy that was really a huge part of the receiving game to begin with. So I think we are, you know, sort of envisioning Chubb as this this greater threat when I really think it could be more of a a, a New Orleans Saints, Kamara Ingram situation where you, you have both of these guys able to produce, Um, you know, he should still see over 300 carries. He should absolutely, uh, you know, I I envision him as the goal line guy, if it's not a a passing down situation, 
I think he's got easily the upside. My issue right now is where we're taking him. I want him at a discount because I'm greedy. <laughs> right. And I'm not getting him at the discount. So I'm looking at Cream Hunt as this tasty option because he's a few rounds later. And I think he has uh, not the same upside, but but pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the Kareem Hunt factor is sort of a big part of this. Um, you know, I if, if 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 Kareem Hunt weren't there or if he had a smaller role, I think we'd all be like all in on Nick Chubb, right? Like, I think he's an easy top 10 pick if if Kareem Hunt weren't a thing, at least weren't a thing in Cleveland. Um, and it's that it's that fear and just seeing what happened to Nick Chubb's target share when Kareem Hunt showed up. Uh, is what I think has a lot of people nervous. I I said early in draft season, I didn't think he would finish in the top 10 among running backs just because those receptions were a, a big part of what he did early on. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong. And you're right. If I could get him at that discount, if I could get him uh, you know, somewhere mid to late second round, late second round is probably never going to happen, but mid second round, um, I feel a lot better about it. Um, Michelle, were we a year too early? On Baker Mayfield, obviously he was he was a huge disappointment last year. They've they've retooled some things. Is is this maybe the year that he does what we hope he can do? Um, I think in terms of as an NFL quarterback, yes, but not in terms of fantasy football. I'm not even looking his way. He could fall to the last round. I'm not taking him. Wow. And but before people <laughs> say I'm a Steelers homer, our puppy's name, he's now a year old, is Baker after Baker Mayfield. So love him. He's one of my uh, favorite quarterbacks in the league. I'm very excited to see his growth. But in fantasy, he just doesn't offer that upset. He's not a rushing quarterback, which is what I really look for if I'm going later in those in the draft. I want I want some floor and Baker offers no floor and no ceiling really, especially with Kevin Stefanski now there as the the coach. He loves to run the ball. I, I think this offense should run through Hunt and Chubb. I think that's the best way for it. And then let Baker throw and be very efficient because he has wide open, you know, uh, wide receivers because they're going through the rushing game. I think they could kind of copy how the Ravens has, have been doing it without Lamar Jackson, I guess. I guess that's an issue. But I think Baker has a better year in general, but not for fantasy at all. All right. Well, you mentioned the wide receivers, and I'll just throw this out to both of you. Uh, what do you see as the ceiling for OBJ this year? I'll take this. Yeah, one. she can take that one. I do not. I am not an OBJ fan this year at all, but she <laughs> is. So I'll let I'll let her discuss that. Goodness gracious, I love Odell Beckham Jr. If you're watching this, good God, kill it this year. Um, <laughs> I, I think that everybody is is absolutely forgetting about the fact that o, OBJ has always been a a top echelon wide receiver. You know, he's been. Uh, injured literally the past three seasons, which isn't great. Obviously, you know, I want a, a guy that can stay healthy, but um, you know, I, I think what hurt him last year, like he could have been shut down at some point and he wasn't. Um, he played through a, I think it was a sports hernia injury the entire time. Even Baker Mayfield like shadily came out to say, uh, you know, the team was handling his injuries wrong and, so there was this whole dynamic last year of him in a new offense. He's got these injuries. This was sort of his first opportunity, you know, for 16 games in, in a couple of years. And this was honestly sort of a, a statistical anomaly for, for OBJ. So even when we're looking at these seasons where, uh, you know, he was with the Giants and, and missed out on his full 16-game allotment, um, 2017 in his four games played, he was on pace for 100 receptions. 1200 yards, 12 touchdowns. So like he wasn't on the field for, for some of those games, but he was still on pace for that, that same amount of, 
of production. 2018 on pace for uh, 103 receptions, 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns. On pace, on, on pace. On I know, pace. but I have to talk about on pace because he was injured. So yeah. 2019, if we just look at the fact that, you know, his uh, overall uh, touchdown rate um, outside of his one year in Cleveland was uh, 0.75 touchdowns per game. Uh, in Cleveland, it was 0.25. So even if we take the the average of that, right? So half a touchdown per game, that's eight touchdowns on the season. Not unrealistic for OBJ. Um, and then even just take a look at his catch percentage, which was low with a new quarterback in a Freddie Kitchens offense. Can we give him a break? <laughs> like, even if we... If we just him, make him better in every metric, he'll be a great... He's still, <laughs> no, he is still OBJ. But, like, I... So when I'm looking at these things, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what... What could I attribute as the cause for this drop in catch percentage new quarterback? New I think he can system. be more efficient. I really do. But I think he's going to see less targets. But even in if a Stefanski offense, he already took a decrease in targets, though, last year. He's with take a big one. He is not. You know, <laughs> he's still the wide receiver one. You have Jarvis Landry with a hip injury. I, I don't know. what we, This is our player that we differ the most on. I know. That's why I'm, I mean, you know, normally I would have jumped in, but I just want to sit back and kind of watch this thing play out. We <laughs> obviously have a major difference of opinion, and I just wanted to kind of see how this thing was going to develop. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm sort of conflicted, right? Because I rem- you know, we all remember what, what Odell can be, right? And I just think there's still so many unanswered questions in this Cleveland offense. Like, we, we had high hopes for them last year. They obviously – let us down in pretty much every way, you know, minus, you know, Nick Chubb having a huge season. Um, and so now you, you mentioned there's a change in offensive coordinator. They they have brought in some offensive line pieces, which I think are positive. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of weapons. I mean, you, there's Odell, there's Jarvis Landry. They bring in uh, what they bring in Austin Hooper at tight end. Um, you know, there's Kareem Hunt now who's theoretically plays 16 games. There are so many options. Um, and it, it for me sort of comes down to a question of ability, which Odell has, you know, a ton of versus opportunity, which, you know, I guess, Michelle, that's what you're sort of saying, right? That the opportunity just might not be there for him as it was in the past in other places. Yep, that's 100% what I'm saying. Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. And we saw him be very efficient last year, but, uh, you know, he just didn't get enough targets to really be consistent. He had some big games, but he wasn't consistent enough. Uh, one thing I will agree with you completely on, Kate, though, you said the uh, Baker Mayfield shadily said, uh, and I feel like that applies to a lot of things that Baker has said in the last uh, you know couple of years. Uh, he, he seems to be pretty good at throwing shade. He, he threw a lot of interceptions last year. He also threw uh, quite a bit of shade. So he really did. Uh, and you know what? I like I, I think that <clears throat> last year we actually saw just overall a lot of uh, all of those frustrations that that offensive had as a whole they all boiled out in all of those press conferences and it was so uncomfortable for all of us. I think Baker Mayfield is that kind of guy that he's just got a little sass on him and I, I won't deny him that, but I, I gotta believe that, you know, like we saw a, a different Baker Mayfield last year and he wasn't happy. He was a, a grumpy man. And you know what? <laughs> I would be, I would be just as grumpy uh, if I had Freddie kitchens calling my offensive plays and I had to, uh, to deal with that sort of uh, environment because we all know it's not productive. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Baker, I think Baker got humbled a little bit last year. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how he comes back this year. Um, let's, let's go to the other team in Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, 
I'll throw this out. We'll start with you, Kate, but Michelle certainly would love your opinion on this too. With you know the coronavirus and and not having a true full off season, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about what this means for rookies, what this means for guys in new places in terms of being able to adjust to their new teammates and playbooks and, and all that sort of thing. Obviously, the expectation in Cincinnati is that Joe Burrow is expected to come in and be the starter in week one. There's already obviously a learning curve for rookie quarterbacks. There's no doubt about it. But has this unconventional offseason changed anything you project about Joe Burrow this year? I I will say I am not touching Joe Burrow with a 26 foot pole in in 2020. Um, and you know what? I actually did I did a bit of digging just in the interest of Joe Burrow because it is sort of assumed that he will be the full time starter. It, it, we don't we don't have to wait for him to assume that role. Um, there have been 16 quarterbacks since 2010 who have started 14 or more games in their rookie season. When we look at each of those 16 seasons individually, the respective quarterbacks, lead wide receiver, top guy on the team, and for lead re- lead receiver, I use uh, pass or receiving yards. Um, they average 843 yards and 3.9 touchdowns. No, thank you. I do not want to touch any wide receiver in that offense. Um, and you know, I, I think that you know, if anything, my research has just shown me that. It, especially in this kind of situation, especially with an altered offseason, I'm going to expect them to lean on the run game. And people expect Joe Burrow to come in and just automatically be better than Andy Dalton, who was not a great Underrated. He was he was fine. He was average. He just wasn't good enough to bring them far into the playoffs. That's all. But to expect Joe Burrow, who had one fantastic college season, I'm not going to take that away from him, but to come into the NFL with a limited offseason and all of a sudden make everyone better on that offense just because there's a rookie, that seems pretty crazy to me. Uh, I mean, yes, but you know, we like to shoot for the moon here. I, I will say that I have not, I don't think I have Joe Burrow. I don't think I've drafted him anywhere. Um, I just haven't been bold enough to do it. I I want to see what he's going to do first before I take that swing at him. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, Kate, the the wide receivers generally have not fared well when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. You said you're not touching any of them. Uh, so I guess that means you don't have expectations for A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. Uh, I mean, Michelle, you feel the same way. Any 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 hope that either Green or Boyd can have any fantasy relevance this year? I think if I'm going to take one, I would look at Boyd just because he's been the wide receiver one on that team now for about a year and a half, at least. A.J. Green, I mean, he hasn't really been excellent since 2015 when he put up that 1,200 yards and 10 touchdown season. I know in 2012 he got over that 1,000-yard mark and had eight touchdowns, but that's like pretty much your ceiling now. A.J. Green's about to turn 32. He's working with a rookie quarterback. He's barely been healthy, missing 13 games over the last three seasons. Like, all of that together, why are you risking him as a pick when his ceiling is 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns? And it's not even really that with a rookie quarterback. So it's not worth it to me. Um, Tyler Boyd is kind of just one of those guys that isn't exciting. But he's fine. You can take him. (laughs) He'll be a wide receiver two slash three on a week-to-week basis and be fine. He's not going to hurt you. I just... He has a, I think he has a relatively higher floor. I like, I feel comfortable yeah. with Tyler Boyd, but so when I'm, especially in a redraft league, when I'm looking at these wide receivers, I want to shoot for the moon. Like you just said, I, I want that upside. And I don't think Tyler Boyd pro, yeah. 
produces that upside that I can I can just dive right in, especially with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, because Boyd's going around like the Gallops and the Charks and the mm-hmm. Metcalfs. Like, give me those guys. They don't have the same floor that Boyd does, but they can win you a week. And that's kind of what I'm looking for more than just Boyd. So I, I think I'm going to put together maybe put together a list of the what I would call the all oatmeal team guys. That, you know, it's it's fine. You know, like you're not excited about it, but it's fine. It'll get you through. You know, yeah. it, it sustains you. Uh, I guess Tyler Boyd might be uh, one of the top receivers on that. He's the captain, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned the running backs and guys with upside. I mean, Joe Mixon is a guy that I think everybody is looking at as having potentially a big year. He has has dropped the the dreaded H word, hold out. Does that scare either of you uh, with him potentially holding out there? It doesn't scare me, but I was off of him already. So I guess that's just another layer of it. I don't understand his ADP whatsoever. Uh, He's going as a running back six. I don't even think he has that ceiling with the targets that he receives. Uh, I I did a whole article over on Ball Blast Football, if you want to go check it out, but about running backs that have that ability to be a top five running back. So I went all the way back to 2008 to see which running backs landed in the top five each of those seasons in PPR leagues. And there have been 33 different running backs to land in the top five since 2008. Well, there's 60 spots and only 33 running backs. So that means most of the top five running backs repeat again in some point in their career. But 26 of those 33 running backs were top five in the very first year that they received a full workload. And then another three did it in their second season. Another three did it after they changed teams and got the full workload. Zero running backs needed four seasons, needed until their fourth season uh, to become a top five running back when they've already received that full workload before. So there's no reason to think that Joe Mixon has that ceiling. He's already shown us what he is. He's a fringe running back one and on his that's on his best day. And that's not to say he's not a like one of the best running backs in the NFL. It's just in terms of fantasy production, like fantasy production is much different than what you do for your actual team like what do you do in critical situations Joe Mixon he's a better NFL talent than he is fantasy running back that's yeah and I I would agree with that I'm actually in you know more so on Joe Mixon than than Michelle is but um and that comes down to sort of the analysis I did with you know what we see offenses with rookie quarterbacks looking like you know if the offense runs through Joe Mixon I I see that as a, a positive thing, and I do think they've made um, not a ton of strides with the offense, but just just enough to make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, in terms of where you acquire him in drafts, I'm not comfortable expecting him to perform above that. So your analysis, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Your, your analysis is off of rookie running backs, and it's or off of – running backs playing with rookie quarterbacks and they see more volume because teams don't trust mm-hmm. their rookie quarterbacks to throw a ton. But the thing is Joe Mixon already has so much volume. He already had 300 touches last year. He sure. was a running back 19 in fantasy points per game. I know he ended as a running back 13. That's only because he was one of the <laughs> few running backs to play a full 16 games. And he had a wild week 17, which helps nobody. But, he, but even counting week 17, he was running back 19 fantasy points per game, and he had over 300 touches. That is wildly bad. There was only eight running backs last year to have 250 carries, and he was eight out of eight in fantasy points per game. And, like, by a good chunk. 
Chris Carson at 15.5. At, at, that was the seventh running back, and Joe Mixon was down at 14.1. You can go all the back, way back to 2017 to look at guys with 250 carries, and only Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore scored fewer fantasy points per game than Joe Mixon last year. I don't think that Joe Burrow is just the answer to all Joe Mixon's. Those guys are old. old. I will, I will play devil's advocate here, though, and tell you that Joe Mixon had sort of a tale of two halves, right? The first half of the season was flat out awful. Like, there's just no way around that. The second half of the season, he came alive and, and was really, really productive in the second half of the season. And maybe we are putting too much weight on that second half of the season. Maybe that's sort of how we ended up here. Um, but I feel like we like to be an optimistic lot, right? For the most part. And, uh, and, and maybe that, maybe that, maybe there's somewhere, maybe it balances out. So maybe as you're, as you mentioned, maybe his ceiling isn't running back six. Maybe it is still though a top 10 guy, uh, which look, man, we're, we're looking for, we're looking for workhorse running backs. He seems to fit the bill. And, you know, so, so maybe we, we shoot for the moon and we reach the stars. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's, <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can, I can sort of, uh, you know, Evaluate. I think the way I expect it to roll out is we're going to shoot with the moon for Joe Mixon. We're going to land on the moon. We're going to be fine with it. Like, all right, we're going to be happy. Right. Like, you're cool. going to be happy to land on the moon, but you're going. The to get goal it. is to get to the sun and beyond. I think ah. if you're taking, I think if you're taking a running back at the running back six, you expect there to be at least potential that he can be a top three running back. Right. I don't even see that in the cards for Joe Mixon. Not even close. So I would rather take a shot on a guy like Kenyon Drake, where he has that potential in a new offense than a, a Joe Mixon where you know exactly what he'll be. If you want a safe guy, go with Joe Mixon. He'll be running back 13. Sure. Take wow, you, you guys have basically just like made the Bengals out to be team oatmeal. Like that's really what you have oh done. <laughs> all three of them are team captains. Team oatmeal. There you go. Um, <laughs> all right. On to the Steelers. Uh, and so, Michelle, I, I mean, I, I have to start this with you. Um, I, I was lucky enough – to to write uh, I can't remember where I wrote I think I wrote it on NFL.com but uh, I said that uh, when it comes to the Steelers there hasn't been this much hanging on a right arm since Henry Rowan Gardner took the mound against the Mets in the movie Rookie of the Year um, what level of confidence do you have in Big Ben's recovery his health and does it impact what you think about when you draft Steelers and I'm asking you to to answer this question not with your heart uh, <laughs> but but with your head as much as possible. You know, I can only answer with the information we've been given. Like, I don't have any additional information either, even though we, we live close to the facility. But, I mean, all the information coming out is saying that ben, we, we see Ben throwing. He looks healthy. He has no pain in his right arm. And they say he'll be 100% good to go by week one. Now, people lie all the time. So, <laughs> I guess we don't really know. But based on, like, there's been no negative information to come out at all against Ben. So He I shaved just, his beard. So. He shaved his beard because he could throw again. And so there's no reason to believe he's not fully healthy. I know in the past there's been quarterbacks who have had this injury and not come back well, but like that was a very long time ago. In the past, running backs used to tear their ACL and be done. Like medicine has changed so much that I'm not as worried just because of history tells us that it was bad in the 90s. Well, and we were we were actually discussing the same topic with our injury expert over in Ball Blast. Um, Matthew Betts, he's awesome. He's a sports physical therapist. Um, as he explained it to us, you know, he didn't have, you know, Ben didn't have the traditional Tommy John surgery, which, um, you know, is sort of the, the red flag moving forward. He had some sort of altered procedure and it doesn't seem that there's a lot of scientific data on, um, you know, sports players, quarterbacks returning from injury with that specific corrective surgery. 
Um, so I really like, I don't know what we're going to see in 2020 from Ben. I don't know what we're going to see from the offense, but I do know that the, the risk that we're looking at in terms of, you know, where they're going and where they're, where they're being drafted. Um, I feel like the risk is baked in pretty well. And to all of the players pretty much. Yeah. Like even Ben, he was a top three quarterback the last time he, he played a full season in 2018 and he's what the the running or quarterback 16, 17. Yeah, he's, he's way down the list. He's right? way yeah. down there. And, you know, <laughs> I, so I think when you look at the upside and the risk, I think they're actually priced pretty well in terms of their ADP. Okay. So then my next question is what level of confidence do you have in James Connors' health? That has sort of been the big <laughs> optical to him. I think really being a, truly a breakout running back, do we have a level of confidence? And, and is, is that injury risk baked into his ADP right now? I think it's definitely baked in. I mean, he's going in the fourth round uh, and he has top, we've already seen it, top six potential. He was already a top six running back when he played 13 games. So he gets so many targets that you can, you can trust that baseline. Last year when he was healthy, he was scoring over 14 points a game. Uh, more than that in games, he actually played more than 18% of games, but we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But James Conner, I mean, he's one of those guys that always gets injured. So it's really hard to trust that he's going to ever play a full season. It seems like he's really working on his body this offseason, but that's what every player is. But have you showing. seen the photos? It's a photo show that he's been working out this year. But it's another year away from cancer, from that chemotherapy. Maybe his body can be a little bit stronger. I think you only need him to play like 13 games to get a great uh, season out of him in terms of where you have to drop him. All right. Um, so when you look at the wide receivers, right, obviously everybody's wondering what happens with Juju if he bounces back this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson for you know for two weeks was like the, the new hotness on fantasy Twitter. Uh, does this mean James Washington is no longer a thing? Is he just, you know, is he, is he in the shame corner now for us? I really like him. I feel like he's never made his way out of the shame corner. I feel like James <laughs> Washington has just been this critically undervalued player for – so so long and um i actually i feel like i'm not as high on james washington as michelle is but also when you look at um you know i i think i probably notice this more as just a steelers fan in general because we do watch the game so closely um I, I think when you're looking at that second year leap it's very clear that james washington made it um you know when he he made a lot of stupid mistakes in his rookie season he didn't have great just he didn't have great hands he just he looked like a rookie and I think uh, when we look at some of the plays he made in 2019 they were big plays so like he didn't finish as you know a, a top 10 wide receiver in yardage but man when he made plays they were huge and they were impactful for the football team. Yeah, you didn't say he didn't finish top 10 in the NFL, but no. <laughs> he did finish as the top wide receiver on the Steelers in receiving yards. He was the lead wide receiver on that team. I, I feel like everyone else gets the excuse for the future quarterback play, except for James Washington. It's, oh, Juju was bad because of the quarterback. Deontay Johnson was so good in his rookie season, even with the quarterback play, and James Conner will be better with Ben. But no one wants to give that same excuse to Washington, even though he was the lead receiver. I, I think, I think though, I think because unfortunately for James Washington, he sort of had the opposite narrative of like, he's supposed to be good because him and Mason Rudolph were like, they're pals, they're pals from way back in college. <laughs> and like, so like, I think yeah. because, 
you know, and look, I, I know that that expectation is always unfair. I mean, we got the same thing with Kobe Fleener and Andrew Luck. Hey, they were roommates at Stanford. It should be great. <laughs> um, I think that's a, sort of an unfair expectation to put on a guy. But because of that, I think that stigma with James Washington is because he just didn't have bananas numbers. It was like, well, what's wrong? Like, this is your BFF. Shouldn't you guys like just be like clicking together? So. And I don't think that's totally fair either because he did a ton of work with Duck Hodges too. So, I mean, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph were in and out. And a lot of his big plays were with Duck. So I, I think Washington just really took a step forward. I was so annoyed with the Steelers in 2018 because we drafted James Washington to be a deep threat or else we should have anyways, nice. right? Like that's what he did in college so well. And then all of a sudden we we're trying to use him short, nonstop. And I think that had to do with having A.B. and Juju. It's hard to fight for targets in that offense when you have two great wide receivers right. as a rookie. And then the next year, they did use him as that deep threat. They used him completely different. And that's where he succeeds. And I think Big Ben loves his deep threats. So, you know, Washington doesn't need 100 targets to succeed in fantasy next year. He needs like 90. And he's going to be a really good flex player. All right. Um, yeah, I just felt like I felt like he has sort of faded away in our consciousness because yeah. everybody's like on Juju or Deontay Johnson and James Washington is sort of just kind of faded. I drafted so. him. I'm trying to bring him back. I'm trying. I've been trying. <laughs> don't, don't try to bring him back. I think I drafted him in like the I want to say the 21st round of Scott Fishbowl. OK, um, which no I think him. is just garbage value I mean, and i was shaming myself for not having drafted him sooner that's i mean that's essentially a free agent at that point I yes mean, it's really it's a free agent pickup really um all right so i want to go through some kind of superlatives some you know, best and worsts of the afc north as you guys see them from a fantasy perspective let's start who do you expect will be the top scoring fantasy running back out of this division I'm going to go with it. I mean, you you just heard me talk down on Joe Mixon. <laughs> I'm I, waiting. I'm yeah. waiting. So it's not going to be Joe Mixon. Mark Ingram's going to get his 200 carries. He's going to be efficient, but I don't think he's going to be the top scorer either. Chubb has to fight with Hunt. I'm going with James Conn, and I don't care if it's a homer pick. I actually believe it. Uh, <laughs> he gets the, the most targets out of any of these guys by far. If he's healthy, he's going to see 70 targets easy, and that could be a lot higher. It's just what he does. Uh, ben loves to use the running backs, and maybe it's not even Ben because they did that last year with Duck and Mason. But in 2018, he was a running back six in 13 games. I already brought that up. In 2019 last year, he was still better than Mixon in points per game, 14.6 fantasy points per game. And that includes 10 games. And in those 10 games, he really only played eight because two of those games he played 18% and 13%. So if you only look at the eight games that he actually played, he was averaging 17.5 points per game. That's higher than both Chubb and way, way, way higher than Mixon. So I know it comes down to health with Connor, but if he stays healthy, it's a big if, he will be the, the top scorer in the AFC North. If Connor does not stay healthy, it is Nick Chubb. Ooh, okay. Just FYI. Just FYI. All right, cool. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of the receivers in the division, and I think they all sort of come with their own caveats. Is there one or which one, uh, which receiver in this division do you trust the most fantasy-wise this year? Can we cheat? Sure. Can we go with the tight end? <laughs> I don't know if there's actually a wide receiver we super trust in this division. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I asked. Yeah, collectively. Hers would be OBJ, but I, we both love Mark Andrews, and he's pretty much the wide receiver one for Baltimore. <laughs> he, he, is, he is the number one receiving option. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely think that'll continue. So, like, when you look at Mark Andrews and, and you know, his snap percentage, I feel like that's actually used against him a lot. 
Um, he didn't play a high percentage of offensive snaps when uh, we did see him be so productive. So everybody said, you know, he's too efficient. But when you actually look at his target rate on those snaps, he was targeted whenever he was running routes um, at one of the highest rates in the NFL among all tight ends. When he was running routes, he commanded the lar- largest target. Why track. was he always wide open? Like, what were defenses doing? They, had, like, <laughs> I, I, they didn't have wide receivers to cover. Like, cover Mark Andrews. Being a Steelers fan, it's so agitating just, to see Andrews just wide open in the middle of the field. <laughs> He's so good. Cover him. They were just staring at Lamar Jackson, waiting for him to take yeah. off of his legs. But, like, Mark Andrews, he is such – so it is a cheat code, but, like, Mark Andrews is a part of the cheat code offense. Um, he is just – I expect him to be healthier. He was on the injury report, like, what, the entire season in 2019? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like just always banged up, missing practices. But he was on the field for snaps. When he was on the field for snaps, he was getting the target. So I, I feel like if he's actually healthy – um, I'm going to take him, but if we have to do a, a wide receiver, I, obviously I would go with OBJ. Who would you go with? The, uh, that I feel safe with. Uh, can I pick nobody? Uh, I guess Tyler Boyd. Only because really? like, I don't wow. want to be a homer with Juju. Um, but last year, Juju did kind of scare me, even though he had a ton of injuries. But he scared me that he couldn't get open as often. So I'll go with Tyler Boyd. He's, he's shown a little bit more over the last wow. year. All Just right. coaching oatmeal. Man, that, uh, all right, cool. Uh, who are the biggest sleepers in the uh, in the AFC North? So I was thinking about this. There are a ton of sleepers where you're comfortable with these offenses going deep into right. their into their lineups. So I would maybe go with like a Kareem Hunt. He's going pretty late for a running back that should be heavily involved in this offense. Like I keep saying, like I think Kevin Stefanski should just run these two to the ground. Both are great on the ground. And then Hunt is amazing uh, as a receiver. There's really not a wide receiver three right now in Cleveland. I mean, Rashad Higgins is fine, but he doesn't demand targets. I think Hunt can be that three. (laughs) And then if Landry is struggling to get back with his hip injury, Hunt can see so many targets. Uh, and to go off that, maybe David Njoku. I mean, I know Hooper was great in in, uh, in Atlanta, but they kind of put him in the perfect spots. We'll see mm-hmm. if Cleveland can do that same thing. I think David Njoku is a little bit more athletic, uh, a little bit more talented as an actual, uh, you know, receiving tight end. Mm-hmm. So maybe he can break out too with Stefanski. I'm actually going with, I, I don't know if you will technically consider him a sleeper, but I'm going with Mark Ingram. I feel like he's one of the most undervalued assets in moving into 2020. Um, Everybody is, is weirdly enough saying that JK Dobbins is not going to be fantasy relevant until 2021, but that Mark and or Mark Ingram will be fantasy irrelevant. So like we got to meet each other in between. (laughs) We're looking at a top tier running back in 2019. And guess what? He turned, uh, what was it, 30 in December. So technically he's the same age that he was last year. And he's just a couple months older, guys. Like, don't be scared of the age. Age is just a number. He was incredibly efficient um, and, and the offense lends to efficiency. So why are we so scared to buy Mark Ingram? He's going to be on probably all of my rosters in 2020 just because he's not being drafted very highly at all. One guy I do want to bring up as a sleeper is T Higgins. If we're going to go with mm-hmm. a rookie wide receiver that could totally break out as a what like not the, the wide receiver one for his team, not in the right. NFL. Uh, I, I think it could be a T Higgins with a rookie quarterback where they have each other and you know they make that connection. Mm-hmm. T Higgins is uber talented. If AJ Green 
sits out this year because of the franchise tag or gets hurt like he normally does. I think T. Higgins is the guy to look out for in the middle of the season. Uh, one thing I'll say about Mark Ingram, you talked about being undervalued. It feels like that's the story of his career. Um, you know, in, yeah. in New Orleans, he always seemed to kind of be an afterthought. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when the Saints gave Kobe Fleener a goal line carry instead of giving it to Mark Ingram. Um, you know, I, yeah, and then obviously Alvin Kamara comes in and kind of pushes him to second fiddle once again. So that's kind of been the story of his career. And regardless, when given opportunities, the dude just produces. So uh, to be yeah. fair to Kobe, Kobe Flinner, he did share what a dorm room with Andrew Luck. With Andrew Luck. <laughs> I mean, they were they were roommates, so yeah. they were going to be amazing together. It's all good. Um, who are the most overdrafted guys you think right now coming out of the AFC North? Who's your guy? Um, I'm going to steal your guy, Joe Mixon. <laughs> it, it's for reasons that we've. I mean, you've already talked to him to death. Give me a chance. Um, so Joe Mixon, he's just a guy that I, I think I mentioned this earlier. So when I'm looking at, um, you know, even these top tier assets, so like the goal for me when I'm drafting a guy is to say, does this guy have a chance to outperform his ADP? Because the more guys I have that outperform their ADPs on my fantasy football team, the better my roster is going to be like that. I feel like is such an underrated concept in fantasy football is just find guys who are better than where they're drafted. So easy. And I think that that he is one of those guys that's being drafted just at or or oh, yeah. ahead of his ADP. Yeah. And I'm just not – I feel like we hurt Joe Mixon's feelings enough in this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm going to go with two of my Steelers. Um, so I'm not – so yeah. I'm going to, you know, bring down a little bit of my yeah, – bring down of my guys. Deontay Johnson. I love him. I love his talent. I have been one to call him AB 2.0. But I do feel like everyone is on this Deontay Johnson hype train. And I don't know if there's enough targets to go around with how good that defense is for Washington, for Juju, for Connor, and Johnson to all succeed happily. So I just want to temper down the expectations on Deontay Johnson. His average depth of target is very low. So he's going to need a lot of targets to be great. And then uh, Eric Ebron, don't draft Steelers tight ends. So stop doing that. <laughs> you should have learned last year. With I learned last, yeah, yeah, I learned last year. <laughs> I was saying this last year, don't draft a Steelers tight end. Don't ever do it. Eric Ebron could get lucky with eight touchdowns, but that's who knows if that happens. He's not going to get enough targets. Don't draft Steelers tight ends. I'm old enough to remember when Vance McDonald was going to be a top seven tight end in <laughs> yeah. 2019. You got yeah. him so high. It was funny too, and, and you know, you talk about the Deontay Johnson. You, you say the hype train. I'd like to coin a new phrase right now, if I could, and call it the the hype go round. So you know, you remember those those little those little carousels, those merry go rounds at the playground, where like you know, as one kid, you kind of spin it, you sit on it, and it's kind of fun. And then all of a sudden, you get a whole lot more kids that decide to play, and like they start spinning it really fast to the point that like you kind of get dizzy and fall off. Like I think that <laughs> might be sort of what Deontay Johnson. Like it was cool when a few people were like, "Hey, this Deontay Johnson guy is kind of good," and then everybody started spinning. Yeah the carousel and now it's like hey this is out of control like maybe we should slow down yeah exactly now we're all ready to throw up now we're all dizzy and we're gonna puke and it's just gonna be ugly (laughs) um as we finish this thing up here i got a few either ors for you and i'm just gonna throw out these either ors you give me just a name and maybe a couple of words i don't need like a, a long you know a long analysis and we'll do these in a vacuum whatever criteria you want to use to to pick a person or a thing uh you go with it so let's start I'm tweaking this one here a little bit from what I had in the rundown. Let's go either or, OBJ or Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh. OBJ. I'm going Juju. Just <laughs> I, I prefer the Steelers' offense, and I trust Ben more than I trust uh, Baker. Okay. All Interestingly right. enough, I trust the, the Browns' offense more than I trust 
the Steelers. Steelers. Interesting. All right. Um, this one, uh, because of our, our recent conversation, I'm, I'm curious now. Mark Andrews or Jarvis Landry? This is easy for me. Um, in a PPR league, excluding the hip injury, I'd probably go Jarvis Landry. Mm. Um, just knowing that he does have that hip injury, and I don't, I, I, I don't think any of us can predict what his rehab is going to look like. I'm going Mark Andrews. I we already love Mark Andrews, so it's not. You're not like twisting my arm or anything, but I, I'll go. Mark I'm, Andrews. Yeah, I'm going Mark Andrews easily. I know Jarvis Landry finished high again. It's 16 games. You got to go by the points per game, and he was well into the 20s at that point. He's a he's a whatever wide receiver to me. I want to take the game changer in the, in the tight end and Mark Andrews. All right. Uh, I know you've been rewatching some of the Harry Potter movies, so I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, Fred or George Weasley? Uh, we're going George. Uh, or sorry, Fred. No, we're going Fred. God. Um, no, not George. I don't mean if George is watching this. I don't know why George would be watching this, but like, no offense. Um, Fred's just like the funner guy, right? More fun. Right. He's just a a livelier spirit. I feel like George is the guy that tries to like be like, guys, let's let's be normal. I told her she had to answer this because you could give me one million dollars to pick out the difference between the two, and I would have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I do know. I, at least I have heard that Daniel Ratcliffe is a big fan of fantasy football. So you know who knows? Like Harry Potter himself could be watching this and maybe. Danny, you know. <laughs> hit me up for lineup advice anytime, and I'm down. There you go. All right, uh, last one. Uh, you guys live in Pennsylvania. Iron City or Youngling? Easy. Iron City. Yeah, easy Iron City. It's so cute because you don't know how to say Yingling. It's, it's Yingling, right? I know. Yeah. I, 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 you know like, as soon as I said it, like I screwed that up. Okay. I knew it. As soon as was, it came out of my mouth, I knew I screwed it up. It just means you're not from here, and that's completely fine. Uh, <laughs> it's not good beer, so don't feel bad. No, you don't have to say it. I, I, you know what? I, story, though, but I, it's definitely Iron City. Oh, Iron City Light. They have a light. Iron City They have light. a light. Okay. Yeah. I see. I, I've had a Yingling, and I was not impressed. No, it's uh, okay. But I have not had an Iron City, so I can't. Uh, it's can't called Iron I see light. I see light. Yeah, that, Iron City is fantastic, but like, I can tell you, that doesn't sound good at all. It tastes like Bud Light. It's, it's identical to Bud yeah. Light. I'm pretty sure it's like the same exact stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a, a black and gold can, which makes Pittsburgh people go crazy. But I actually, so I'm originally from Ohio, and mm-hmm. I'm very close. Uh, my hometown's very close to the Pennsylvania border. Um, and Iron or Yingling actually wasn't sold for the longest period of time in Ohio. So when I was in college, there would be people who would travel across, way across the border into <laughs> Pennsylvania to go buy Yingling. Really? Because it was just this hot commodity. And then I, I don't get it. I grew up and I was like, oh, like we went all out for Yingling. Yeah. <laughs> Why? When, like you first start drinking beer, you know, and you're, you're like, oh yeah, this seems good. And then you actually have like actual good beer, and you're like, oh, I don't really. Understand. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. It, it definitely made me question my life, child or as a college student, which everybody needs to do. You know what? Sometimes that is the big. That's that's part of the best education you get in college. Those are some of the <laughs> some of the things that you learn that are outside of the classroom that end up being useful to you. Um, Ladies, I enjoyed this conversation. I had a whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad you could come on and, and chat with us on the pod. Uh, for folks who maybe don't know you or are up with what you guys are doing, let people know where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find uh, me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Um, we have just revamped our website, BallBlastFootball.com. Looks great, by the way. Thank you. She did all of it. I did. She, she made that whole website. Which is <laughs> uh, it's amazing what you can do when somebody says that they want to charge you like $1,300 <laughs> for something. 
I, yeah, I, she was like, I'm going to need 1300. I was like, you know what? I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so if nothing else, please check it out for my web development skills. <laughs> I am a nurse by trade. I do not do web stuff, but uh, we've got a lot of really great writers over there accomplishing amazing things. We partnered up with the Red Shirts fantasy football team um, who are now posting with Ball Blast. So we've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Follow uh, our, our brand on Twitter at Ball Blast FB. And Michelle? I'm at Ball Blast M, Ball Blast E-M. And you can find all my articles at ballblastfootball.com. This girl writes for uh, rotoworld.com. So you can find some of our articles over there. Sweet. And four for four. Oh, and four for four. Yeah, and four for four. All right. She writes for really cool companies. I write for Ball Blast, which is a pretty cool company too. But it's fun. you can see I'm very scatterbrained. <laughs> I just can't put all my stuff in one place. Yeah, no, but like I said, we we met uh, at that B Dubs almost a year ago. Uh, you handed me your business card, which I found as I, I moved recently, and as I was like packing, I'm like, hey, look, I still have it. It was great. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun to kind of follow you guys on Twitter to kind of see uh, you know how how things have expanded and grown. I'm I'm excited for you. And uh, again, just thanks for for coming to chat with us. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having. Yeah, us. thank you so much for having us. This is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and even watching our clips as well. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, nothing is impossible unless you can't do it. Take care of yourselves and others. Wear a mask, and we will see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure 
begins. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.